Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in the dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. I begin with a prayer. Anoint me now, Lord, that I may deliver your message faithfully and fruitfully. Let your word pass from ear to heart, from heart to life, so that it accomplishes the purpose for which it is given. Amen. So, the season of joyful celebration that begins at Christmas continues into Epiphany, which was actually on Friday. Friday, yes. Today, we celebrate one element in the story of Christ's birth, the visit of the Magi who travelled from afar. And the focus is on the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles to, to Gentiles, to all people. Jesus came for all people in all places, which is obviously very good news for us this morning. Epiphany means a moment of sudden and great revelation. So as we look at the familiar story, what do we see? How do we react? But before we get to that, we three kings of Orient are. Mm. I don't know that we know that there were three of them. There were three gifts. Doesn't mean they carried one each. They probably had a man on a camel to do that. We don't know where the Orient is. Maybe it was Babylon. Matthew just says the East. And we don't know that they were kings. Matthew calls them magi, and that means wise men. But there are kings in this story. There's Jesus, Christ the King. 
the one that the wise men are seeking based on their research, Jesus, the King of the Jews. He's not in a palace. He's a vulnerable little baby, maybe in a stable, maybe in a home by now. We mustn't let the human fragility of this baby fool us about his identity. Do we recognize him? The word made flesh. He was there before the world began and yet prepared for love of us to make himself utterly limited. How do we respond to his giving of himself? You know, the incarnation, him becoming flesh, is in itself an act of sacrificial love. When you think of all that Jesus, the Son of God, surrendered to come down to earth in human form. There's another king in the story, Herod. Here's a quick biog. Herod has been on a long career climb to get to where he is now. Herod was named governor of Galilee by Antipater II. And then he became tetrarch of Judea. And finally, he was named king of Judea. He wants to hold on to that title. On his way, he's clambered over others to get to power. He's ordered multiple assassinations, including some of his own sons. And he's changed his succession plans multiple times just to keep people on their toes. Faced with the wise men's visit, what does Herod see? How does Herod react? He's not going to be well disposed to the news, is he, that's another king of the Jews. And for reasons unknown, the lectionary readings that are set by the Church of England for each Sunday have already revealed what happens. Last week we were told Herod's reaction is eliminate the threat. That's the kind of man he is. But Herod isn't alone. He consults a wide range of people in the religious establishment. What do the chief priests and the teachers of the law see? How did they react to this moment of sudden and great revelation? As Derek read, Matthew says, Herod was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. They can quote scripture for Herod. We have Micah's prophecy about where the Messiah will be born, but it seems dead to them. Do they drop everything? Do they set aside their normal routines and try to find out more? No. As far as we know, it's business as usual. The signs are there for them, God's word, a star in the sky. But they don't want to see. Don't you think it's sad when people have the opportunity to see the good news of Jesus Christ, but are blind to it? Personally, it's a source of great 
sadness that people I love dearly are uninterested in finding out about God. So, is that how we react to the good news of Jesus, God with us? I'm assuming not, because we're here. Please say no. Or do we read this moment of sudden and great revelation in the same way that the Magi reacted to it? Let's go back to them. Go back to the wise men. Let's see how they reacted. Here's what we know. They were searching. They saw a sign and they thought it meant something important and they responded. Note that it was quite normal at that time for people to associate the evidence of the stars with historically significant events. It was taken seriously. These wise ones from the East were effectively scientists and probably practiced other religions. Some commentators have identified them as Zoroastrians, and please do not make me say that word again. Hard to get my tongue around it. Nevertheless, God used their faith and knowledge to bring them to the Christ child, even though they were Gentiles. It's ironic that God used scientists who practiced other religions to let King Herod and the chief priests and the scribes know that their Messiah had been born. The wise men observed a glorious star at its rising and methodically, persistently, sincerely followed it to a king. Do we travel on our faith journey like that? It wouldn't have been easy. It wouldn't have been an easy journey at all, and that's the same for our faith journeys, I think. I don't know if you are familiar with um, T.S. Eliot's poem, The Journey of the Magi. It's often um, broadcast um, and, and posted at this time of year. I won't read all of it, but... Here's a sense of how arduous the journey would have been for them. So he says, a hard time we had of it. At the end, we preferred to travel all night, sleeping in snatches, with the voices singing in our ears, saying that this was all folly. Our faith journey can be hard, but we're not alone. All along the way, God directs the wise men, first by the star, then via the verse from Micah, and finally in a dream. I know some of you have experience of having powerful dreams that mean something that you need to act on. God was so determined to proclaim the good news of great joy for all people that God reached out beyond the fields around Bethlehem to the east. God does whatever it takes to reach out and embrace all people, including us. And when they finally arrived at Bethlehem, what did the wise men see? 
Matthew says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. So what's their reaction? It's like, guys, a baby in a small house, is that what we traveled all this way for? Slightly underwhelming. No, not at all. They are the ones to whom God grants this moment of sudden and great revelation. They see God made flesh. They see God incarnate. So they bowed down and worshipped. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts. And they were gifts with meaning. Gold for royalty. Frankincense for divinity. Myrrh for death and burial. Signifying his sacrifice. Precious, expensive, luxurious items, redolent with symbolism in Hebrew scripture as tribute from foreign nations to a Jewish king. They can see the majesty in the infant. They are overwhelmed by it. They gladly humble themselves, kneeling even before a woman and a child. They're more like servants than kings. I guess at the back it's quite hard to see this um, picture that I've included. Maybe you'll have to look it up online to get a real flavour of the kings really submitting themselves. The guy at the front's on his hands and knees and Jesus is patting him on his bald head. It's a wonderful image of that bowing down and submission to a, a king. And then they returned home, exit stage left. T.S. Eliot's poem again supplies a telling commentary that life wasn't going to be the same after this encounter. They were changed by it. And they are our model. Once we know Jesus and there's this spark inside, don't we feel like we've got to worship? We've got to have more of it because it's a good thing and we want to give more as well. What do we see? How do we react? As we celebrate Epiphany, we can't simply be like the people in Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Surely the only response is to be like the Magi. We let God lead us, and faced with a moment of sudden and great revelation, we bow down and worship. And that worship involves a giving of ourselves in gratitude that God has graciously, mysteriously, and defiantly broken into our lives. Amen.